بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه. The Jum'ah Khutbah is an essential reminder that calls the believers every Friday to increase in taqwa, God consciousness. This series shares Jum'ah Khutbahs that take place at the Al-Maqasid Seminary. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah alladhi hadana lihada wa ma kunna linahtadiya lawla an hadana Allah. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad al-Miftahi babi rahmatillah. Adada ma fi ilmi la saratan wa salamin daimin bidawmi munkillah. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Wa sharwannahu Allahu allali la ilaha illa Allah wahdahu la sharika lah. Ilahan wahidan wa rabbin shahidan wa nahnalhu muslimun. وشرونا سيدنا وحبيبنا وكرة عيوننا محمد عبده رسوله أرسله الله بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهر على دين كله ولو كره المشركون أما بعد يا عباد الله إني مسيكم ونفسي إياي بتقوى الله الحمد لله الله سبحانه وتعالى has blessed us to reach the last 10 days of the month of Ramadan. And alhamdulillah, this is a time where we need to devote ourselves exclusively to our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala in hopes that we can fulfill the right of Ramadan and take advantage of this immense opportunity, desiring closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that there to be a blessing that carries over after the month of Ramadan that remains with us the entire year. This is a special opportunity in these last 10 days to devote ourselves to our Lord, to remember Him, to supplicate Him, to turn to Him, and to ask Him to take care of all of our needs, the needs of this world and the needs of the next, and the most important need of all that we have is the need that every human being has to be forgiven the need that every single human being has to rectify their heart. And one of the greatest things that we can do on the blessed day of Jum'ah is to remind ourselves of the guidance that our Lord gives us subhanahu wa ta'ala in his book. And today I wanted to look at the story of Qarun, or translated in English as Korah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala recounts to us the story of Qarun in his book. And the longest narrative that we have is in Surah Al-Qasas, and then he's mentioned in two other places as well. And in this cluster of verses that our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about this individual, whom the biographers describe as having been the most, knowledge of, uh, most knowledgeable of people of the Torah, Someone that was very worshipful. But then this change, when he became an established close association with the Pharaoh, and then all of a sudden the doors of his sustenance opened up for him, and he became very wealthy. And once he became wealthy, his behavior started to change. How he started to see himself and how he started to see other people. And so Allah in Surah Al-Qasas mentions to us, Musa. Indeed, Korah was from the people of Moses. 
but he behaved arrogantly towards them. And he was even given the name Al-Munawwar because of how beautiful that he actually looked. And unfortunately, this is what happens when we become deluded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's gifts, whether it be physical beauty, or whether it be intelligence, or whether it be wealth. Unfortunately, the human being might become deluded by these divine gifts and not use them in a way that is pleasing to him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. alayhim is that he ended up acting arrogantly towards them. Or you could even say this relates to dhulm, is that he started acting tyrannical towards them. In the Old Testament, he led a rebellion against Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam. And then Allah ta'ala describes the wealth that he gave to him. And we had given him. And notice here that it is only the Lord that can remind us of the good that he does for us. For us, what is called men, reminding someone of charity that we give someone favors that we do for someone, it nullifies the reward for that act even if we do it 10 years later. Men, reminding people of good that we do for them is something that is haram in the sharia of Sayyidina Muhammad If we do an act, we do it for Allah. And whether people thank us or not, we remain the same. We do it for Allah. And we don't expect people to thank us, although they are commanded to thank us when we do acts of goodness for them. So Allah Ta'ala says, That we gave him that such treasures, such that the keys would burden a group of strong men. Not only the treasures themselves, an usba, an entire group that are ulil quwa, that are strong men, is that the keys to the storehouses of the treasures that Allah Ta'ala gave this particular individual, a group of strong men found difficulty carrying the keys. So then what about the wealth itself and all of the gold and all of the jewels and all the other forms of physical wealth in the pre-modern world that people used to store up? And nowadays, we oftentimes keep our money in banks. We have that diversified investments. But during that time, is that if you were keeping any type of wealth that you had to store it in a particular place. This is why one of the, the six categories of things that we have to pay zakat upon is what is called a rikaz. Because people that either deposited their things, they kept it in their house, they might have stored it with another person in a safe deposit, or they would have oftentimes buried them. And so that we learn about that blessed individual, Suhaib Rumi, as he's migrating to Medina and Munawwara, and he's confronted, and he's trying to, they're trying to prevent him from migrating. So what did he do? Is that he told them about a treasure that he had buried in a particular place, some of his wealth, and they let him go. And as soon as he came into the presence of Rasulullah Sallallahu his kunya was Abu Yahya. And he says, is that your transaction has been profitable, i.e. the wealth that you gave up to come to me is much worth, is worth it many, many, many times over. And so that Allah Ta'ala gave Qarun an enormous amount of wealth. And then he was advised by his people, قَالَ لَهُ His people said to him, 
they advised him, La tafrah, do not be prideful. And so fariha yafrahu can mean to be happy in a very benign sense, but also it can mean to exult. And this is the diff, this is the danger of blessings, and especially wealth. But it applies to all of the other blessings Allah gives us as well. There's a difference between having wealth, and in general, it's not a virtue to be overjoyed that you have wealth. You are permitted, however, to be happy from the standpoint that Allah gave you that wealth, insofar it is a blessing from the mun'im, the giver of the blessing. But in general, it's not a virtue. But if we do not understand our wealth in a religious context, it can lead us astray. And it can lead us to boast, to exult over the wealth that it is that we have, to start to judge other people based upon what they what what based upon what we have in relation to what they don't have. And so he started to act arrogantly. And then they said and they remind him, Inna that Allah Ta'ala does not love the prideful. He does not love those who interact with their wealth in this particular way. And then though we learn how it is that Qarun that responded and that before his response, they further went on to say, وَابْتَغِي فِيمَا Rather, seek the reward of the hereafter by means of what Allah has granted you. Allah has given you this wealth. Use it for a good purpose. Spend it on the needy. Do good things with your wealth. Do not forget your portion of this world. And I have heard this on more than one occasion where Many Muslims will quote this verse to encourage their children to, to make sure that they take care of their career. And they've misunderstood revelation. And they've misappropriated the words of Allah Ta'ala if that's the case. Let's look at what the verse is really saying. And of course, the meaning is the meaning, but the point here is, is that if we look at our context, our worry for the vast majority of Muslims in a place like the one in which we live is not having their worldly life together. It's focusing on the hereafter. What percentage of Muslims are even praying Salat al-Jum'ah or praying the five daily prayers? And how many Muslims are there in a country like the United States of America? This is not our biggest problem. Yes, you don't want to be have people without a career. You don't want them to rely upon other people. That has its place, of course. And we should encourage people to work and to work hard and to earn an honest and good living. However, is that in doing so, oftentimes parents with good intentions don't realize the severity of the unintended consequences of opening up the floodgates of your children to be immersed in the dunya. And then you send them to people like us where we have to counsel them after they start to doubt their deen, after they fall into that major sin. And oftentimes it's because of the pressure that their parents put on them in relation to their worldly lives. So we have to look at what Allah Ta'ala is saying. So this is the advice that Qarun's people is giving to him. And they're, by extension, 
telling that Allah is telling us how it is that we should be spending our wealth. In relation to wealth and everything else that you've been given, seek the reward of the hereafter by the means of what Allah has granted you. And do not forget your share of this world. In other words, is that that's the focus is the first part. Immerse yourself in this in relation to your wealth and everything that Allah has given you. Primarily, you should be focusing on, focusing on the hereafter. So look at the context of the verse. You are immersing yourself in preparing for the hereafter. And in that, don't forget your portion of this world. That's the correct understanding of that verse. And if we reverse it, and we think that somehow we nominally, we don't want our children to practice too much, but we don't want them to practice too little, and we don't want them to be attached to any groups or this and that, and we got to be very careful with what they do, but then they start to get derailed, and then we want them to get a little bit, it doesn't work like that. That we are not understanding the nature of human beings, nor the nature of the society in which we live is that we you have an absolute obligation as a parent to preserve the fitrah and the natural disposition of your child from the time that they are born until the time that they become of age. And then even though that once they become of age, in a sense, they are on their own insofar as that the angels are recording their deeds. However, is that the relationship remains. And we hope to be a constant source of guidance and inspiration for our children until we die and even after we die. And we hope that we've had a lot of beautiful that situations transpire so that they remember us even after we die. So that when they start to age and when they start to establish a family and they start to have children and go through the various stages of life, They've learned from us how it is to navigate those different stages of life based upon this deen. And they have fond memories of us, even if in the moment, especially in those teenage years, that they're like, mm, I don't necessarily like what my father or mother is saying, is that they start to realize the worth of it eventually. So this is the context of the verse. And some of the commentators say is that this verse means, Seek to hear after through what you've been given from this world. This is the context of the verse. Seek with what Allah has given you from this world, the hereafter. Because this world is the mezra'atul akhira. It is the seedbed of the next world, i.e. It is the place where you and I that earn good deeds and do various things whereby which we can raise, be raised to the higher degrees of closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then that they reminded Qarun as well, ahsan kama ahsan Allah ilayk, is that be good to others as Allah has been good to you. Allah gave you this wealth, so this is how you should reciprocate. If you've been dealt with in this way, this is how you should now then also deal with others. Do not seek to spread corruption in the land. Indeed, that Allah does not like those who sow corruption. But then look at the response of Korah. And this is an archetypal response that so many of us have. And don't think about other people 
when you hear this, think about yourself first and foremost. Have you ever done this? Is this our state? Korah's response was as follows. He said, I have been granted all this because of some knowledge I have, i.e. because of the knowledge that he had of the Torah and how close that he was initially to Moses and how worshipful he really was. An alternative translation could render it Render, be rendered, I have been granted all of this because Allah, I know that Allah knows I deserve it. In other words, he saw himself as deserving a sense of entitlement. I worked hard for this. And if you look at this, think about people that think about your own self and how at various stages of our life, if Allah Ta'ala opens up the door for your sustenance or opens up the door for you to get a good job or to that be that have some degree of notoriety or whatever it might be, how do we respond? Do we change up on how it is that we were? Do we start to think and become deluded that somehow it is from something that we have done as opposed to it being a blessing from Allah Ta'ala? And surely... There are people in life, whether it be in the context of this country or anywhere else, that come with very simple means, and they do work hard. And there's social, there's an opportunity for social, up, social, the upward social mobility in this society. And oftentimes, there's in ways that in other places in the world that there's not. And then what happens though, when people start to succeed, in the worldly sense, do they lose their humility? How do they look at their fellow family members? How do they look at some of their own friends? This is one of the greatest veils of all. And this will blind us from the truth. <inaudible> He's ascribing it to his own self. I've been granted all of this because of some knowledge I have. I am deserving of this. But this is the response. Did he not know, i.e. Qarun, that Allah had already destroyed some from the generations before him who were far superior to him in power and greater in accumulating wealth? We just learned yesterday or the day before in the Roha class studying Minhaj al-Abidin al-Ghazari, one of the deterrents of kibar, of arrogance is that the general antidote for the vast majority of people is just to remember your origins, how you began, and how you began in the womb of your mother, and the fluids that were a means for you to come into existence, that how you will end as a putrid corpse. And then he reminded us that we carry excrement between our two sides while we're still here in this world. So how on earth could someone ever be arrogant? But then he says... We should also think about the punishment of Allah. And that will humble you. It, what worth is it being arrogant if it leads to divine chastisement on Yom Al-Qiyamah? That is humbling. And the people of humility are the furthest people from the punishment of Allah and the closest to His mercy. And the arrogant are the furthest from His mercy and the closest to receiving his divine wrath. And we know that the arrogant will be raised as ants that are trampled upon on Yom Al-Qiyamah. 
And this is supposed to humble us. So Allah Ta'ala mentioning this after this comment of Korah, of Qarun, indicates the severity of saying something like this. And the ishara here, the subtle indication that you and I can all take, is that any khususiyya, any special quality Allah gives us, there is an immense danger in attributing that to our own selves. We have to attribute it to Allah. Otherwise, it could be a means of our tughyan, of us that exceeding the bounds and going astray. So then Allah Taala recounts an incident where on one occasion that Harun comes out and that people witness this display. Then he came out before his people in all his glamour. And the commentators mentioned details about what was transpiring, but you can imagine with all of his wealth, the clothes that he was wearing, how he would have dressed, that the riding beast that he was riding upon, and the hundreds of servants in, that would have been walking with him as an entire retinue. You can imagine that, him going out. And we need to be very careful about what we let our eyes watch. And even though sometimes that we might let our children watch sports events, look at what they do. Like before the basketball game or the football game begins, there's always pictures of the main players walking in. And they tend to be strutting. And they tend to be decked out with some nice gear. And there's some of them that boast about they never wear the same pair, their same clothes twice. And we don't want our hearts to incline towards that. And the gold chains and the jewelry and the strut and the new clothing and the new shoes and so forth. And how they're carrying themselves. Lest we think that that's how we should be. And the same thing goes for all of these awards and the dresses and the clothes that people wear and the cars that they drive and all of this stuff that we see in this culture. And everyone is affected by it, but especially the younger crowd. And we think that somehow this is what is desirable. This is how we want to be. You got to watch your heart because that will lead you astray. And so this is an example of this in the pre-modern world where Karun is coming out with his entire retinue and everything is on display. And then Allah Ta'ala tells us about the responses of people so you and I can take heed. What should our response be when we see this display of dunya and this boasting and this exulting? <laughs> Those who desired the life of this world wished if only we could have been given like what Kor has been given, he is truly a man of great fortune. There's a lot of people, even from our own kind, that testify that La ilaha they see these manifestations and they wish deep down inside that they could be like them, even if it's subtle. But on the other hand, look at this other group. But those gifted with knowledge, those gifted with knowledge, which indicates the merit of knowing, and most importantly, knowledge of Allah, knowledge of this religion, knowledge of right, knowledge of wrong, knowledge of what we need in this world for the hereafter. 
Those that have been given knowledge, they had a different response. Waylakum, they said. Shame on you, or even woe to you. Allah's reward is far better for those who believe and do good, i.e. those that act right, those that approach this world as the seedbed of the hereafter and don't become deluded by the zakhrafat the dunya, the dormant of the things of this world. But these types of people, وَلَا يُلَقَّهَا إِلَّا الصَّابِرُونَ but none will attain this except the steadfast, the people of patience. You're not going to have it here, but you will have mulk and dominion that is unimaginable in hereafter if you're patient, if you live right, if you put everything in its proper place, if you resist the temptations and the urges and live for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, you will have it in the next world, but it requires patience. But people that have it in this world disconnected from their connection to Allah, they will have wished to have come back and been like the poorest of believers because of what they see will transpire in the hereafter. And then Allah Taala tells us about the end of this particular individual, Qarun, to show that this is not something that we should even desire. فَخَسَفْنَا بِهِ وَبِدَارِ الْأَرْضِ then we caused the earth to swallow him up along with his home. There was no one to help him against Allah. No matter how many people he had to help him in the dunya, no matter how many connections and things that he could get away with, you cannot deceive Allah. There was no one to help him against Allah. Nor could he even help himself. And those who had craved his position the previous day began to say, Ah, it is certainly Allah who gives abundant or limited provisions to whoever he wills of his, servant, of his servants. Lola and Mandalahina that had it not been for the grace of Allah, he would have caused the earth to swallow us up. Oh, indeed, the disbelievers will never succeed. In other words, they realize. They realize. After they realized, after they saw what had transpired, that this is not something that is desirable. Rather, we should be people of the hereafter. And then this is the verse that follows. That eternal home in the hereafter we reserve only for those who seek neither tyranny nor corruption on the earth. This is what we should all be seeking. That eternal home in the hereafter, this exalted abode that Allah has in store for those that live right here in this world and believe. These are people that that they don't want no they don't want to be they don't want to show tyranny on earth they don't want to be arrogant they don't want even any notoriety nor do they sow any corruption and then something that every single one of us always has to remember so that we can remain principled the ultimate outcome belongs only to the righteous. What blessed guidance that we have.
and oh, how we are in need of realizing these meanings and how in, in inculcating in ourselves the meanings of humility, the meanings of lowliness before Allah Ta'ala, the meanings of feeling in need of Allah Ta'ala, removing from our heart any deservedness or any that desire that we have to the exult over the blessings that we've been given here in this world or any of those tendencies, all senses of entitlement and selfishness and egotism, all this type of stuff we want to rid our hearts from and to make our hearts be a place where? That we worship him subhanahu wa ta'ala and remember him incessantly. May Allah Taala give us tawfiq and bless us and especially in these last 10 days of Ramadan to the blessing of this month, make these realities within us. وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم وقولوا قول هذا واستغفر الله لي ولكم ولجميع المسلمين فاستغفروه فنغفر الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد اشرف الانبياء والمرسلين وعلى اله الطيبين الطاهرين والصحابه المهتدين وتابعينهم باحسان الى يوم الدين وعلينا معهم في برحمتك يا ارحم الراحمين واشهد ان لا اله الا الله واشهد ان محمد رسول الله اما بعد يا عباد الله Inni In closing, this last verse that we recited, Tilka Dar al Akhira, verse number 83 in Surah Al Qasas, Sayyidina Umar bin Abdul Aziz, the fifth, or some say the sixth rightly guided caliph, because Imam Hassan was the fifth. The sixth rightly guided caliph, even though he was from the Umayyad dynasty, he was someone that turned away from this world, and he died at the tender age of 33 even though he was given so much dominion, is that this was a verse that he hung on to. And this is a verse that they say, He continued to recite this verse until that he met his Lord. Despite all of the dominion that he was given, this is what he wanted, the Dar al-Akhirah, the Dar al-Akhirah, the abode of the hereafter. This is how you and I need to be. May Allah ta'ala give us tawfiq and bless us. إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على سيدنا إبراهيم وعلى آل سيدنا إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على سيدنا إبراهيم وعلى آل سيدنا إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد ورضي الله تعالى عن سادات الخلفاء الراشدين أبي بكر وعثمان وعلي وعن حسن وحسين وجميع أهل بيت رسول الله المطهر من الجاس وعلينا معهم فيهم برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم اغفر للمؤمنين والمؤمنات المسلمين والمسلمات الأحياء منهم والأموات يا أول الأولين يا آخر الآخرين يا ذا القوة المتين ويا راح المساكين ويا أرحم الراحمين أنجزنا رحمة من عندك نسعد بها في الدنيا والآخرة ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخر لحسن للمكين عذاب النار آواكم الله نصركم الله إن الله يمر بالعالي والإحسان ويتاء إذا الكربعة وينهاء نتفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعيدكم لعلكم تذكرون وذكروا العظيم يذكركم واشكروا هرن يميزدكم ونذكر الله أكبر Thank you for listening to one of Al-Maqasid's online educational offerings. Our mission at Al-Maqasid is to cultivate holistic learning environments rooted in knowledge, devotion, and service by providing full-time, part-time, online, and community programs. For more information, please visit our website at almaqasid.org and connect with our other online content at almaqasid.org backslash connect.